all of that adds up and it's a disincentive over time if government is the main driver, not free enterprise. Uh, moderate, uh, reasonable regulation is okay. But when everything's being dictated through government, it gets expensive and I think you lower your economic growth over time. The Small Business Rundown is the official podcast to the National Federation of Independent Business, the member-driven voice of small business. NFIB and our members advocate to keep America's small businesses strong and independent in Washington, D.C., all 50 states, and the nation's courts. Welcome to the Small Business Rundown, a bi-weekly podcast with information on independent businesses' victories and challenges in Washington, D.C. and state capitals. I'm Adam Temple, NFIB Senior Vice President for Advocacy, and today I've got with me some experts on labor issues to discuss new proposals from the U.S. Department of Labor. Also, Senator Mike Braun from Indiana will join later in the episode to discuss what's happening in Washington on anti-small business regulations and his experience dealing with burdensome regulations as a small business owner. But I'll start by addressing a couple regulatory issues with NFIB Small Business Legal Center Executive Director Elizabeth Melito and Federal Government Relations Director Jeff Brabant. Beth and Jeff, welcome to the Small Business Rundown. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us, Adam. Of course. So I'm curious to know, what have each of you heard from NFIB members over the years about small business regulations? When we hear about small business regulations, uh, we hear about a whole host of things. And one of, one of the issues we hear about a lot, and I think this will tee up this podcast nicely, is, is labor regulations. Labor and employment is really hard for a small employer because you don't have an HR department, and there's quite a host of labor regs that you have to comply with. Mm-hmm. So when you have to deal with OSHA inspections, you have to make sure you are you're paying your employees correctly by the letter of the law, and there are harsh penalties if you don't. These are really challenges for small business owners and things we hear from quite a bit. Beth, can you start by explaining the two rules, the joint employer and the independent contractor rules? Yeah, so these are two rules that we are expecting from the U.S. Department of Labor and the National Labor Relations Board this fall. And Unfortunate development for small business owners. I mean, as you started out by asking there, Adam, I mean, labor and employment rules are so challenging for small business owners. I mean, most of our members have no in-house counsel. They don't even have an employee who's a dedicated human resource person. So it's, you know, a lot of times it's the business owner themselves trying to figure out what this new rule requires of the business. It's really, really hard. And as uh, Jeff just alluded to, too, mistakes can be very expensive. The penalties are pretty steep for violating one of these labor and employment rules. So the joint employer and the independent contractor rules, which, as I said, we're expecting this fall, um, I joke. I said I feel like it's about making all of the workers in this country employees, W-2 employees. (laughs) Like nobody can be an independent contractor anymore. And, oh, with a joint employer would actually mean that two businesses are considered the employer of a worker. So, for instance, if you have, you know, a a cleaning company that comes in and cleans your manufacturing plant every night – Um, and it's an outside vendor that you've hired, and they employ the workers who come in and clean, if something happens to the employee or the employee alleges they're not being paid correctly, if this joint employer rule goes through, what it means is the worker could sue not only the cleaning company, but they may also be able to allege that you, the manufacturer, are also an employer because they've been in your place of business every night and know you, you know, so if I can sue both companies here. And that would be really challenging for our members to be tr- keeping track of, you know, contractor workers too. Of course. And where do these rules stand? 
So we are expecting this independent contractor rule, which would make it more difficult to classify consultants and contractors as non-employees, or in other words, making more individuals employees, <laughs> putting more people on your payroll, I say. Um, we're expecting that from the U.S. Department of Labor at some point this fall. Um, and same with the joint employer rule from the National Labor Relations Board. So unfortunately, bad news coming soon. Sooner than later, yeah. Yep. And Jeff, these two rules obviously are coming, but they're not the only harmful regulations that small business owners need to be aware of. Um, can you explain the OSHA walk-around rule and also the overtime rules? Sure. So the walk-around rule is a real interesting one, and it really doesn't pass the common sense test, which is concerning. And OSHA, by the way, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, their job is to make sure that workplaces are safe. So they have health inspectors, right? They show up, make sure you have a safe workplace. What this would allow is OSHA to choose to accept third parties to come into your workplace. Could be a union rep, could be someone from an advocacy organization with an agenda to come into your workplace and do these inspections, uh, which, which can be problematic for a number of reasons, Adam. And, and how about overtime rules? So overtime is really concerning for a number of reasons. Right now we have uh, the cost of labor at an all-time high, and they're looking at increasing the overtime exemption threshold from $35,568 to $55,068, so almost a $20,000 increase. And what that means, this is going to affect employers with any salaried employees under $55,000. So if you are a salaried employee making less than $55,000, you are now going to be eligible for overtime. And what do these changes mean for small businesses, either either the ones, the rules that you talked about, Beth, or these regulations? Sure. Um, over time, it's just a significant cost increase. And like I said before, with labor at an all-time high, if you add another cost increase to your labor, that's those costs are going to be passed on to consumers. And we really worry about the inflationary impact there. Uh, in terms of the walk-around rule, the, the big concern is if you have a third party inspecting your facility uh, an inspection is a very stressful thing for a small business owner. And they expect the OSHA inspector to be an honest person who's coming in and doing it by the letter of the law. When you bring in someone who has nothing to do with OSHA, who doesn't have an obligation to the law to come in and do inspections, there's concerns about, I don't want to say funny business, but is there potential union recruitment? Is there someone who has an ax to grind? Or are there things that can go not to the letter of the law that can be very concerning for small business owners? Yeah. And did you want to shed any more light on the impacts of the, the, the two rules that you talked about? Well, Adam, I would just say that these federal rules that we're talking about here today are coming on top of state rules and now more local rules regarding labor and employment issues, too. I mean, this is just terrible for small business owners to track now local, state, and federal rules. I mean, it's incredibly, I'll just say, incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, the thought from these federal agencies is that, you know, small business owners as employers are, are not treating their employees well. And that is, as we know, not the case at all. As we hear from our members, they're doing all they can to recruit and retain the best employees out there. Payroll is at an all-time high. They're offering signing bonuses. They're increasing the benefits packages. I mean, they are doing the right things, and they are treating their employees well because they want them to stay. They don't need more federal regulations. And Jeff, how can NFIB members and other small business owners get involved on in the overtime rule? Sure. So on the overtime rule, there's a there's a public comment period. Luckily, this was just filed recently. So up until November 7th of this year, you can go online to uh, if you if you just do a quick Google search for the 
overtime role at the Department of Labor, you'll be able to quickly find it. It's also uh, regulations.gov you can go to as well. And you can file comments. Uh, They are required by law to read all of your comments. I would also encourage you to contact your representative. Representatives do oversight. And what that means is the administration decides they're going to do a role. It's the job of Congress to have oversight of that role. They're going to have hearings on this. So you never know if a member of Congress is going to have a hearing. You relay a great story. Next thing you know, you might be a witness in a congressional hearing. If you want to be. If you're interested. Uh, and, if, and if you're ever interested and you have a great story, please share with NFIB at info at NFIB.org. And we'll put a link to the page where folks can go and easily file comments in today's show notes. Jeff, what else are we doing on the overtime rule? Well, NFIB will be filing comments as well. NFIB takes comments very seriously. We look at what impact this regulation may have on small business owners, and we will file comments accordingly. And now we'd like to welcome special guest U.S. Senator Mike Braun of Indiana. Senator Braun is a longtime small business owner and a member of NFIB who grew a small trucking and logistics business from a single wide trailer into a successful larger but still independent business. During his time in Congress, he's had a 100% NFIB key vote score, received the Guardian of Small Business Award each term, has been a champion on labor issues, and a co-sponsor of the Main Street Tax Certainty Act, which would make the 20% small business deduction permanent. Thank you, Senator Braun, for joining us today on the Small Business Rundown. Good to be with you. Senator Braun, can you tell us by, uh, can you start by telling us a little bit more about the company you grew into a successful and independent business? Well, I had to go all the way back to the uh, early 80s. I had uh, only worked one other place. It was for a local kitchen cabinet company from 78 to 81. I was a regional sales manager, and I was very anxious to uh, have my uh, try it working for a smaller business, maybe with the opportunity of buying into it. And that occurred in May of 81. Uh, That was a tricky time to do it because interest rates were already around 10%. And that's right when inflation had gotten really out of control. And Paul Volcker, you know, uh, started uh, raising rates to where our home mortgage that we got in 78 was at 10%. Had we waited till 82, it would have been close to 18%. And the business sold mostly products to farmers, and it was a uh, you know farm crisis that, that was driving kind of the financial angst back then. So it ended up um, I, it wasn't really growing much. It was mostly survival mode. The first two to three years, I started dabbling with uh, doing some uh, distribution on some like toolboxes, bed liners. Uh, running boards, functional stuff for the very few pickup trucks that were out there then. But uh, through the 80s into the late 90s, uh, the original business got back on its uh, feet. Uh, This business was starting to scale a little bit beyond a local milk run into a kind of 100 to maybe 150 mile radius distribution business. And we also sold used trucks and equipment to keep the doors open. So in those 17 years, um, it was hard scrabble. We never grew much beyond the original 15 employees, but then I moved into a different location, a warehouse, and we grew from uh, 98 to 2008, from 15 employees to 300. My two sons came into the business and brought a few of their friends along back in the probably 06 or so. And uh, we now have 1,500 employees, about 500 of them are truck drivers. Uh, the balance, uh, 1,000 would be salesmen, warehouse workers, uh, 
tech. We do a lot of uh, technology in our distribution and logistics business. So the American dream. And we grew from one location to uh, in 08, probably 10 and 10 states. And I think now we have like 40 locations and uh, or 90 locations in 40 different states and three in Canada. So the American dream, a little, little business that over all these years has grown into a national company. That is the American dream. That's tremendous. And um, today's show, we're talking about regulations. As a, as a small business owner yourself, you have a unique perspective on that. Can you tell us about the impact of regulators imposing new regulations on the small businesses? Well, you're lucky if you're domiciled in a state like Indiana because it's a business-friendly state. Uh, there are probably 10 to 15 others that would be in that category. Um, we got to California about 12 years ago, and that place is worse than the federal government when it comes to regulations. And we had some real decisions to make. Uh, can we compete profitably in that market? And we still found ways to do it. But uh, I can tell you, if government, uh, federal or state becomes too overbearing, it definitely weighs in on your ability to grow, create jobs, uh, all of that. And I do think There'll be a gravitation for uh, businesses once you scale uh, to maybe go to places where there's less of it. Sadly, if you're in some place and you're still a small business, my wife's had a store in our downtown. It'll be 45 years this September, a home accessory and gift store. But again, we're in Indiana, so that's a blessing. All of that adds up, and it's a disincentive over time if government is the main driver, not free enterprise. Uh, moderate, uh, reasonable regulation is okay. But when everything's being dictated through government, it gets expensive. And I think you lower your economic growth over time. Mm -hmm. We've seen it time and again. Some of the regulations specifically that we're talking about come from the Department of Labor, the independent contractor restrictions, the overtime exemption threshold being doubled, the joint employer rule, and OSHA's walk-around rule. You're a leader on the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. In your opinion, what kind of impact will these rules have on small businesses? Well, every one of them uh, will have a negative impact. Uh, let's look at independent contractors. Uh, that would be the gig economy. Uh, any individual that constitutes a business, you've got uh, the PRO Act, which was a piece of legislation that, thank goodness, is not going to go anywhere. But when they can't legislate, they'll do it administratively through an executive order or a ruling. So you can't consider yourself uh, out of the woods um, doubling the overtime exemption. I mean, that did increase under the Trump administration, I think, from like maybe 27,000 up to 37. And I think they want to take it in the mid to high 50s. That'll eliminate a bunch of jobs again. In our own company, we've got some wonderful uh, jobs that pay uh an excellent amount for, say, three and a half days of work uh, on a delivery route. And then if you have to take it up to that level, uh, it'll probably eliminate the jobs. Uh, walk around rule, probably the mildest of the things you mentioned, but still that's further burden that you're going to have to accommodate uh, when OSHA comes in. The only good news is of the agencies, it seems like OSHA has been something you used to hear about a lot, uh, see often. Uh, most of the weaponization 
I've noticed as a senator and even still keeping a track on our business is through the EPA uh, are like waters of the U.S. Uh, it impacts farmers and land developers. And none of this plays into where you're making it easier to enterprise and create jobs. And it goes beyond what would be called reasonable regulation. Senator Braun, how are the uh, small business allies that are in Congress, like yourself, fighting back against these regulations? Well, until you have both chambers and you control the executive suite, you can't really pass legislation. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it isn't revenue, um, debt, uh, spending, you got to do you can do that through reconciliation. But any policy would require 60 senators agreeing to it. So all you can do is fight back, um, hopefully make the case politically where we can actually roll back some of this stuff legislatively. Uh, The political enterprisers are always going to try to find another way to get it done. And uh, very little is, of course, nothing has happened since uh, the House was taken back by the Republicans. But look at the just abundance of rulings and executive orders that are coming out of the administrative branch. One in particular, the student debt uh, deal, where the Supreme Court said it was ill, you know, unconstitutional. Well, they went to a different bill, the Higher Education Act, and are going to try to accomplish the same thing through it. We can do the CRA, a Congressional Review Act. We exercise that when we're trying to force a vaccination on to all employers down to 100 employees and it got bipartisan support in the house in the senate Uh, biden of course didn't sign it but then the supreme court weighed in and called that unconstitutional so rules and executive orders you can basically only take them to court and otherwise if we don't you know they'll keep pushing well, let me ask you the the uh, other side of the equation there. How can small businesses help you guys push back against these rules? Well, the NFIB does a wonderful job. Uh, we were a member of it when I went to that little business back in 81, and I think we had been from back in the 70s, and I think we're one of the largest businesses in the country that still maintain the membership. Uh, we we read your stuff. We You're a strong voice, uh, local Chambers of Commerce, uh, I think, are in that same category. And there are a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners. Um, Sometimes seeming, we feel like maybe we're not getting the support for as many of us as there are, but you got to speak up. When you see something happening, get with your uh, representatives and let them know. And then hopefully we'll get more individuals in the U.S. Senate that have run a business at some time in their life so they can understand it a little better. Excellent. And I know you've got plenty uh, on your plate today. So before we go, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think we're at a critical juncture in the, you know, in our history. Uh, I never imagined that we'd ever run a federal government, uh, produce policies that we were willing to borrow money from our kids and grandkids. That's the thing that scares me the most We know on Main Street, you can't get by with that. Local and state governments can't. And when I got here in 18, we were running 
trillion dollar deficits as part of uh, standard operating procedure. Now, sadly, we're running a trillion dollar deficit every six months, so two trillion annually. Do the arithmetic on how much that's gonna cost in interest. It's gonna put a wet blanket on the entire economy. Sometimes it takes that kind of you know, nasty uh, pain to actually get the public to wake up and their representatives to change the system. And uh, we are really close to that occurring. I think that's a good place to leave it. U.S. Senator Mike Braun from Indiana, we appreciate your time and thank you for your support too of small businesses. You're very welcome. I'll keep doing it. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. Beth and Jeff, before we go, do you have any other final thoughts to share? I would just say we'd love to hear from members that are concerned about any of these rules. It's always helpful to have member stories. As Jeff said, you know, elected representatives like to hear from small business owners or hear the story. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us, um, info at NFIB.org. Anything else from you, Jeff? Well, as Senator Braun just stated, please share your stories. The stories are the best things that senators and congressmen can hear from you because they carry the most weight. These regulations can be pretty dry when you read them. And if you write a three-page letter on super specific impacts, it could it could be pretty dry to read. But when you share a story, it really brings it to life. And it's really helpful for members of Congress to hear specifically how it's going to affect your business. And we know that from experience because they've told us that. Exactly. I'd like to thank Senator Braun, as well as Beth and Jeff, for joining me today to discuss the key regulations at the forefront for small businesses. To learn more about worker classification and the latest proposals, the NFIB Small Business Legal Center has a series of resources and guides linked in today's show notes. There is also a link to submit comments on the proposed overtime rule before November 7th. And now I want to thank you, the listeners, for joining us on today's Small Business Rundown. We'll be back every two weeks bringing you news and analysis from Washington, D.C. and state capitals so that you, whether you're a business owner or a supporter of one, can continue to blaze a trail. The Small Business Rundown is brought to you by NFIB, the voice of small business. You can find us at NFIB.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.